0: Well, the mining industry remains a crucial flywheel for economic growth and development in South Africa, providing uh, critical raw materials, but also uh, export earnings, a uh, very key foreign income that for our uh, trade balance and our balance of payments, uh, and is also among the country's uh, biggest taxpayers uh, and also amongst the, the country's biggest employers are uh, the members of the Minerals Council South Africa and of course all the smaller mining operations as well but the sector operates in a highly complex legal landscape it's obviously characterised by stringent uh, rules and regulations whether it be on the environmental side, whether it uh, come on the, the social side and the social and labour plans that mining companies have the, the relationships with their communities and obviously governance is key to all All of this, and given the growing preponderance of ESG funds around the world and the increasing inability to really differentiate product, one sector that uh, one major asset manager has uh, looked to include, and that's Investec in its funds, is uh, the global diversified mining sector. And it may seem counterintuitive, uh, because the market has something of a jaundiced view of the mining sector's sustainability credentials. Yet Investec's research has shown that ESG and sustainability have been really at the heart of efforts by the sector to improve its image in the eyes of both investors and host communities. That said, though... Funding does still remain something of a challenge, and to talk about this, I'm joined now by Rashad Karim and Shirley and Ritchie, partners at law firm Weber Wenzel. Uh, welcome to the show, both. Uh, Rashad, maybe you can just kick us off. How would you characterize the present funding landscape for mining projects in South Africa, considering the challenges that are posed by uh, ESG?
1: Thanks, Michael, and uh, good day to your listeners. Yeah, uh, that that's an interesting one. You- you know, the adage that money makes the world go round is, of course, incredibly apt in the mining business. Uh, cash needs are massive. But I think like any other business, mining particularly has been very adaptable to change. Um, we, we we just have to look at the history of it. ESG as a component is something that came about. It was always something that was on the periphery of, of, of what was required. But then, obviously, with the money came the need, uh, for, for rather the investor money, saying, we need you to do certain things to change the way that you've been operating and the mines have been able to adapt. South Africa is an interesting uh, position uh, as a nuanced um, country in terms of the resources we have, Um, whilst the impact of ESG is something that I think uh, I can safely say most mining companies have openly adopted and will happily contribute towards uh, making sure that to the extent able to, the environmental concerns are dealt with, the societal uh, elements are are dealt with south africa does have an interesting precarity position in terms of what it has resources for example coal uh you know any sort of fossil fuels um and and the move towards greening the world has had an impact and the move towards carbon neutrality has impacted south africa perhaps a little bit harder than certain other countries barring perhaps saudi arabia because our resources are vast in it and the world is saying this is something that we're not too happy for mm-hmm. you to mine because the pollutants have come off of it so whatever catch 22 but nonetheless, uh, efforts have been put in place, and as is Manif- as you said, um, you know, Investec and, and other players within the market, and general offshore European investors are still looking to put money into it. They just want the, the mining companies to act a little differently and be more cognizant of what their impact is. How uh, this yep. relates to an ESG component.
0: Yeah, and it's an interesting and evolving debate, Charlene, to bring you in on this point because often we, we talk of ESG with a capital E, but in South Africa it needs to be with a capital S. Uh, and also a capital g i mean the the, the social questions around the many uh, hundreds of thousands of people who draw uh, a direct living from the mining industry and then indirectly in the millions uh, makes it such an important part of uh, political stability in the country as well with this increasing pressure on investors to disinvest from fossil fuel linked industries how does this impact the availability of capital for mining projects in South Africa particularly those related to coal and similar commodities
2: thanks Michael I think to echo what Rashad has said um, always great strides being made in the sector but in mining specifically uh, mining houses traditionally used to turn to the equity and debt capital markets for funding to fund huge capital expansion which would mean jobs for another 20 years or so but with investors coming under financial pressure and South Africa being particularly seen as politically unstable the mining industry in South Africa is under tremendous pressure and there just simply isn't globally access to deep pockets in the equity and, and debt capital markets and in, in, in this instance mining houses have really had to take a long hard look at alternative sources of funding. And the reason that it's incredibly important in the social element is many, many mines, of course, have community investment vehicles which sustain massive community investments and do pass through dividends to communities which greatly assist in the development of those communities. And in addition to that, many, many mines use a portion of funding to invest in schools and local infrastructure in the mining communities and mining towns. And in the absence of funding being available those sources of social support would really also fall away and as you have seen over the last couple of years in south africa the social instability in a mining host community can really close up mining mining doors and lead to the shutdown of mines
0: it's such an important consideration when one thinks of how interlinked mining in south africa is to the communities that rely on those mines and in many instances uh you see the mining operations really stepping in where local government is is failing to provide uh, infrastructure services um you know clinics schools um, even the physical infrastructure like roads uh, and and power in some circumstances as well uh, and that means we we're, we're talking about a very dynamic interlinked complex sort of system um Rashad, to bring you back in on this point uh and you know Shirley mentioned that uh perhaps the equity and debt capital markets have limitations in sustaining the required capital expenditure for mining operations what do you see as the options for for mining companies Given that, because there are lots of newer financing options, uh, there's things like blockchain and streaming and even tokenizing access. Uh, I I recall Renogen being uh, quite innovative in the space Mm. a couple of years ago, uh, tokenizing access to its helium uh, reserves. How do mining companies navigate the emerging financing options? Maybe just run me through what is on the table.
1: Sure. I think, you know, innovation is required in any way looking at it. I think mining companies are very, very good at covering, you know, the social need. Um, you know, like you said, covering shortfalls with with, um, with where, where perhaps the government's not doing what they need to do. But, and similarly, you know, the mining houses um, are looking to tapping into those different investor you made mention of some equal streaming uh, you made mention of you know the blockchain etc but you know I think each of those have their place depending on where you are in the mine life so it would accord that if you are trying to get a you know if you've got a prospector looking in the fields for some stuff you would probably find blockchain or even a peer funding as an option we've seen some of that happen once the mines operational you know and uh, depending on what if it needs infrastructure spend or Or the like or actually just to increase its production they then tap into more sophisticated um, funding mechanics because like shirleen said the equity is not necessarily there and remember most equity investors need the return and unfortunately given where we are that return may be not as frequent or as forthcoming as one would like streaming is an interesting element and i think and i've done a fair bit of work on that and in in the sub region um Uh, It's linked to an old adage of, you know, where prepayments took place. So mining houses we're seeing today are commoditizing whatever they have and trying their best to get the cash in the door today. And they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, a stream for the benefit of your listeners is is nothing more than, you know, an investor agreeing to purchase a fixed percentage of commodity from the mining house at a significantly reduced discount on the basis that they pay for it up front. Yeah. There are elements of risk that, you know, they price into it. So, you know, uh, these also we do uh, transactions from Life of Mine. And some of them can become very interesting uh, in terms of, you know, taking byproducts. There's an example of which most of your listeners will resonate with. When you mine platinum, you know, there's a byproduct for gold, which many people don't realize.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the, a platinum mine is, knows how to focus and sell its platinum, not necessarily its gold. And you can commoditize that uh now and sell it ahead of time even though it's still in the ground and even though it may not manifest uh for for a few years or if ever and it's that risk appetite that gets priced but there are companies worldwide that are prepared to do that and we've seen the resurgence of these for mining houses to kind of you know find that ma- element of uh, revenue but there's a tax component and i'm pretty sure surely we do if we do it justice <laughs> better than i can that that will drive you know, mm. like with any good idea, Michael, you know, and there's a good idea, somebody's looking to take that pound of flesh. And I think the taxes on those are key, mm. um, you know, and, and uh, we, we can talk a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, surely on that point, uh, and obviously uh, a mining company looking to forward sell uh, a certain percentage of those uh, underground reserves up front, it obviously contributes to uh, balance sheet optimization and, and, uh, and, enables a mining company to uh, significantly smooth out those meaningful returns to investors. Uh, But what are the tax implications, especially in an environment where uh, in South Africa we already see uh, mining companies paying significant funds in terms of royalties, but we've also got exchange controls. What are the major regulatory considerations that mining companies have to consider before they enter into a kind of uh, royalty and streaming uh, arrangement?
2: from a south african perspective if i just look at the uh, the fiscal side of course there is always exchange control approvals that need to be required the reserve bank takes a keen interest in any financing that comes into south africa to make sure that there's overall fiscal stability in the economy and that of course we're looking at the long term sustainability of south african south african corporates from a tax point of view globally it, it's absolutely vital when considering some of these nuanced forms of funding to understand the interplay between the funding that is received and, and the tax system. Usually purchase and sales receipts are taxed at full revenue rates. Of course, as anyone knows, when you sell trading stock, you have to pay tax on that. So it's vital that the agreements speak to certain tax providers, that we have in our Income Tax Act, specifically Section 24C, that allows the, the tax and the profit to align over a period of time. So as the company realizes its revenue and delivers product against a prepaid amount, the tax should follow year on year. It just allows the mining company a bit more breathing room of course, paying twenty-seven percent on receipt of of a big amount of money will not will not be appealing to anyone. So it is absolutely vital that you know, when you're starting to look at these agreements, that the tax is front of mind.
0: Rashad, from a, a legal landscape perspective, uh, it's absolutely vital that one considers those early on in the negotiations as well, because I'm sure they can later on potentially uh, trip up. Uh, the best laid plans, could you provide examples of, of legal considerations that are crucial for the success of funding arrangements?
1: sure i think you know the best laid plans go wrong when you don't plan properly so the, the 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 issue here um you know talking about um i think fundamentally given the mismatches in tenor you know we all are aware of bank funding uh you know you go to a bank and you take a loan. so for, for most of us it's a home loan which is a 20-year tenor uh, it's a long time traditional businesses mining houses have various different facilities but not such long tenors you couple that with for example um, a prepayment pure prepayment which is one or two or three years you do that with a stream which could be life of mine 40 years and it's matching you know the the, these different elements and the tension that creates between them which is key so what we've seen is and we've been very fortunate in this uh, in our business is that we've obviously been involved with mines in most instances, cradle to grave, you know, and that gives us an insight into all of the moving parts. But very often, you know, the need, the cash need is 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 realized today and the money's on the table today, but the knock-on effect is only, like you say, felt a few years later. And part of that is just planning around where is the mine going, what the cash needs would be, uh, kind of forward looking into commodity booms and busts, um, the market factors, I think the one element that 's become very real is that we are now part of a global community, you know, and one of the days when you could just have an insular mine and just carry on and have the local market take up your supply mm-hmm. um, challenged with the fact that you know like you say, you know we' taking us back to e s g so community needs you know you need miners, but- com- you know mining by with individuals, not necessarily the way the world is moving then you need to add to a beneficiation level. How would you do that? So for mines, the planning of their finances, the planning of when they're going to need money is important. Then having good... Capable and competent, you know, guidance from from various counsel and, and input. But I think the other thing that you know was was very somewhat anecdotal. Um, in our transactions, we've seen a lot of the tensions coming between traditional banks, uh, which are the first stop for money uh, after investors, and streaming. For example, because um, you know you, we've had to get um, the market here comfortable that they that you are both working together, and it sometimes does uh, traditional bankers hit in that. I'm being asked to take share security with somebody mm-hmm. who has bought the product versus me, who's just my lent my money. Yeah, but yeah, like, like, yeah. like you say, navigating those takes a bit of, um, it takes a bit of thought, and uh, but nothing is impossible
0: uh, as uh, we've come to see. Absolutely, and uh, just as we here at uh, mining in Derby, you know it, it never ceases to amaze me just how much London and Toronto are these, uh, and and to an extent, um, you know, down under in Australia as well, these mm. hubs of mining finance. And given how yes. commodity, mineral, uh, intensive and rich the South African economy is, given our history with the great mining finance, houses of Anglo-American of old, and uh, it, you know, we, we just haven't done enough, in my humble opinion, to innovate, uh, to create uh, a really an attractive environment for, for mining finance here in South Africa. So often you've got to go to London or you've got to go elsewhere. What could we Absolutely. do to stimulate uh, mining finance in South Africa, um, You know, flow through shares from a tax perspective? I've seen all kinds of things put on the table. From your perspective, and you're involved in this, what would you like to see? Rashad, and then maybe surely you can finish.
1: Yeah, I think for us, uh, we were what we would like to see is, and I think we mentioned this earlier on, you know, investor confidence is a very key element towards them putting their money into the country. I think some of the regulations that we have would be keen. I think we, you know, and and this is the bugbear, and this is the elephant in the room: power. You know, sustainable power. You know, it's it's not it's not a trade secret that we don't have the power infrastructure to put up smelters, which means we cannot use it for beneficiation. So the knock-on effect is any mining house produce the, the mineral it has now forced almost to sell the raw product. You know, the challenges with infrastructure, getting your product to the port and getting it sold. It may be sold, it may be paid for, but you can't deliver it. I think those need to be regulated, you know, addressed. And I think there has been some move afoot from a Transnet perspective. We know this. Um, uh, ESCOM is, um, I would say, doing their best, but uh, clearly we need to do more. And I think once the sentiment on the ground changes, and that's part of all of us as South Africans, need to also play our part. Say, you know, and once we start feeling the confidence, it's easy to instill confidence in the next and the investors. And I think that, and I'm an eternal optimist, and I see no reason why, with the resources that we have and the hurdles that we have, and hopefully we can sort of even settle some of the political tension, we can get back to a place where we become a viable aut- or, you know, an, an option for investors. Unfortunately, if we don't do that correctly, then notwithstanding all of the blessings that we have underground, we're going to come a bit short. And yeah. that's what we're seeing today for the last at least decade.
0: Absolutely, and and as we know with mining, especially, it's a, a capital-intensive, long lead-time uh, process. Uh, very often, uh, you know, equity investors stumping up cap uh, capital uh, for returns that may or may not arrive five, six, seven, eight years down the line. Uh, exploration, in particular, very high-risk activity, and you're only going to be doing that if if you're confident in the stability and the long-term prospects of an economy. Shirley, what would you like to see to stimulate mining in South Africa again?
2: From my perspective, Mike, I think there's a real opportunity for South Africa to act as a financing hub into the rest of Africa, to really take stock of our strong banking sector, our strong financial services and flourishing financial services industry, to support funds going north of our borders to many subsidiaries, the holding companies of which are listed on the main board of the JAC from a mining perspective to really act and to scoop up that investor pooling arrangement um, that can be made into the junior and upcoming mining industry north of our borders and within our own borders. But for the reasons that Rashad has said, I'd really like a strong focus on becoming a financing hub from a streaming perspective for the rest of Africa.
0: Great point. Uh, We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much, Shirlene Ritchie and Rashad Karim, partners at Weber Wenzel, talking about the evolving uh, landscape of mining finance and the importance here of innovating and also of uh, strategic experienced advisors, given the complexity in the space. You're listening to Classic Business.